The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. so grateful to Dr. Carter for giving me the invitation to be here this morning, uh, and I'm really delighted to be here with Brother Mike again, a dear friend from many, many years ago. Uh, time would not permit me to do all I would like to do this morning. I have stories that I could tell uh, that uh, he would pay me money not to tell, uh, and uh, all the wonderful days we shared together preparing for ministry and serving the Lord as young pastors. I appreciate those days so much, Mike. Uh, what a blessing. Isn't it amazing that we've come to this? <laughs> yeah, I used to run up these steps when they introduced me. Now I just make sure I hit them all. Uh, and so uh, if you would, take your Bible this morning. And turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24. And if you would stand with me while we read these words from God's Word. And while they were telling these things, they being the two disciples that had been on the road to Emmaus. You'll remember that story, how that Jesus came and walked along with them and talked to them and they did not recognize Him. Uh, Later, they broke bread together and they did recognize Him. Their eyes were opened and they saw who He was, the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And they were so excited after he departed from them uh, that they knew that Jesus was now alive after that brutal crucifixion that that very evening they ran back to Jerusalem seven miles from their hometown. And so they were telling them those things that had happened to them on the road to Emmaus and the them were the apostles uh, that were gathered, and the believers that were gathered there in Jerusalem behind closed doors. Uh, And it says, while they were telling them these things, he himself, Jesus, stood in their midst. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish And he took it and ate it before them. Now he said to them, 
These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, that is in the Old Testament, our Old Testament, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ, or the Messiah, should suffer and rise again from the, from the dead the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Would you be seated, please? 203 years ago, in 18 and 12, the first Baptist missionaries traveled to Burma. The first American Baptist missionaries traveled to Burma. But unawares to any Baptist back here uh, in the United States at that time, totally unknown, they traveled to Burma. The reason they were unknown is because they traveled to Burma from India to which they had traveled earlier that year uh, from uh, the northern part of the United States as congregational missionaries, not Baptists. Having arrived in India in 18 and 12, uh, they gathered with William Carey, the first British Baptist missionary, who had already been there about 20 years at that time, and they began to study the Bible with William Carey. These congregational missionaries became convinced that they needed to have believers' baptism as adults. And so they submitted to baptism. William Carey baptized them, and they became Baptist. Well, about the time that all that happened, they began to have some legal or documentation problems for being there uh, in India, and the door opened for them to go to Burma, and they prepared to travel to Burma. And so two of those missionaries, now Baptist missionaries, Anne and Adoniram Judson, many of you have heard their names down through the years, they departed for Burma, while the third one, Luther Rice, and you have also heard his name on many occasions, most likely, traveled back to the United States to let American Baptists know that they now had missionaries in Burma. And his intention was to come back uh, to make that known, uh, to raise support for the new missionaries in Burma now, and to return and serve with Anne and Adoniram Judson. His stated intention in coming back, in his own words, to the United States was to stir up Baptists about missions. To stir up Baptists about missions. To get them concerned. To get them 
uh, agitated, to get them just all, uh, uh, just all upset. That word, uh, that word stir up about missions. Now, Brother Mike, I've been on a church staff ever since I was a, uh, a sophomore at Sanford. Uh, it's been a long time ago that I was an associate pastor, and then I served as a pastor. I served as a missionary, served as a pastor again. And uh, I have seen a lot of things. I have seen Baptists get stirred up about the color of the carpet. I've seen Baptists get stirred up about cigarette butts on the outside on the porch of the church. I, I've seen Baptists get stirred up about what version of the Bible uh, that you read out of. I've seen some Baptists get stirred up about whether you read the words of the songs out of the hymnal or out of off the screen. I've seen Baptists get stirred up about all kinds of stuff. But very seldom have I seen Baptists get stirred up because people are lost and dying and going to hell around us and around the world. We just don't get that concerned about it. We don't get all wrought up about it in our hearts. Our hearts don't get concerned. And, and, and here we have uh, these disciples that Jesus met with in this occasion, and their hearts are burning within them, those two disciples that came. And these disciples are amazed, and they're marveling, and, and Jesus is stirring them up. He's stirring them up about what he has for them to do. And so my question for us this morning is, well, what will it take? What would it take for you and for me to truly, truly be concerned about the people who are lost around us and the people who do not know Jesus Christ scattered around the globe? I think there are at least three things here in this passage that that just kind of uh, present themselves to us that, that will help with that. I want you to look at this. Go back up to verse 36 and just let your eyes kind of scan down this passage. And the first thing I'd like to say is that, that we'll truly get stirred up. We'll truly be concerned and compassionate about people that do not know Jesus Christ when first of all, Jesus becomes real in our own hearts. When He's the most real thing in our lives, that is when we'll truly get concerned about others that do not yet know Him. It says, while they were telling these things, He Himself stood in their midst. It says they were startled and frightened. He spoke to them, why are you troubled? He said, see my hands. He invited them to touch Him. He ate with them. And the point that I'm trying to make is that our Lord Jesus Christ is a revealing Savior. He's a revealing Lord. He's one that is always trying to show Himself to us. He's one that is always trying to invite us to talk to Him, to listen to His words to us. He's always inviting us to, to get close to Him, to really know Him and talk to Him and read His Word, spend time with Him and be real in our lives. That's what He first wants for our lives. We will never ever be concerned about a lost person that does not know Jesus Christ if we are not truly walking with Him, talking with Him, reading His Word, and spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ. He 
wants you to know him as the most real thing, more real than everything else that is going on in your life. I'm telling you, it's a wonderful day in the life of a believer when football and when fun and when financial gain and when even the good things like family and those things begin to fade away in our lives. And Jesus is the focus and he is the brightest and the most beautiful thing that is happening in our hearts and our lives. And so if you want to be concerned, if you want to make an impact, if you want to make a difference in a person's life who does not know Jesus, let Jesus be more real to you today than he has ever been in your life before. Most of the time, sadly, sadly, for most Christians, the time when Jesus is most real to us was the moment that we accepted him as Lord and Savior and that is so wonderful and that is miraculous, but how sad that that's the best time when Jesus wants a whole life of that for us, of walking with Him closely. And then our hearts will burn within us like they did those disciples on that day. Number two, if we truly want to make a difference in the life of someone that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that that will happen when we get the Bible clear in our minds. I want you to look on down just a, a little bit uh, further. In verse 44, uh, he began to talk to them about his words. And he talked to, to them about all the things that were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Now that is our Old Testament. And all those things that had to be fulfilled. And look at verse 45. And it says, And he opened their minds that they might understand the Scriptures. That's an amazing thing for people like the crowd that he was with at that moment. These are people that have studied the Bible in the synagogues uh, since they were little children, and they had memorized chunks of the Bible, large portions of the Bible. They knew the Bible. They were a people of the book. A and yet, somehow, they had read and they had stored all this knowledge, but, uh, but the flame of understanding had never been lit in their minds, and, and, and they didn't understand what the Bible was all about. And it says, Jesus Open their minds that they might understand. Well, they didn't get it. All of the Old Testament times, the Jewish people, somehow they thought that, that God's focus on Israel was all about them. What they did not understand was that God's focus was upon them as a channel to reach out to the nations around them. It wasn't all about them. It was all about them and the nations all around them. And sometimes it's just so clear in the Old Testament that you cannot miss it and you wonder. Look at, uh, if you would like to, look at Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6. Isaiah is speaking or quoting Jehovah God. And he says, he says, 
It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel. You get that? God is saying to Israel uh, to save you and to gather you and to work with you is a small thing. It is far too small. That's a that's easy. And he goes on to the next verse and he says, I will also, now here comes the hard part. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation shall reach to the ends of the world. That's what it was all about. That's exactly what it was all about. And sometimes I wonder how, how do we miss it? How do we miss it? We also are people of the book. I mean, we have Sunday school. And we have preaching. And we open the Bible. And we reverence the Bible and the Word of God. But how do we miss this? That, that it's not just about all that we are caught up in here. And, and I know that ha- that's how it happens. We, we get tunnel vision. We get, we get so caught up in, in the ministry here and the family obligations here and the work here and it's just present around us pushing on us all the time and and somehow somehow we we miss that that it's not all about here it's all about getting what has happened in our lives and hearts out to the people around us and, and not only just around us but to the ends of the earth everywhere in between, everywhere in between, every once in a while, I'll hear a person say, well, why don't we just first get the people saved around? Why don't we just work really hard right here instead of just sending missionaries all around the globe? Why don't we just work here? Well, you know, I agree about everything in that sentence except one word, just. The word just. Oh yes, we are to work here. There are lost people around us that are just as lost as a person on the far end of China or an unnamed country in the Middle East or in Africa. And we ought to work here. We ought to serve here. We ought to build the presence of Christ here in this community. We ought to witness around us. But not just here. You know, this is just a starting point. And it really doesn't work like staged out on a calendar like this year we're going to work here and next year we're going to work in Alabama and next year we're going to work over in Georgia and next year we'll go overseas and next year... No, it's all simultaneous. We're to be doing, doing it everywhere that we can. All at the same time. Well, that was the message of the Bible. That, that was what it was all about. That Jesus would die... Uh, that he would come, that he would live a perfect life, that he would die, that he would be raised from the dead for our salvation, and that we would begin sharing that. It would not stop with the event of Jesus, but with the evangelism of others about him. And, and so he wanted to drive that home for them. And so we'll really get concerned when we are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that everything from Genesis to Revelation is about Him doing a work in us so that we can work with Him everywhere else. Number three, and I'll close with this. If we really, truly want to be stirred up in our heart over winning someone to Christ, it will happen when the Great Commission becomes our first priority. When it becomes number one on our agenda. The Great Commission, of course, is that we should share the gospel with all the peoples, with all the nations. Oh, if we could just, if we could just get that number one. You see, Jesus said in verse 48, He said, You shall be my witnesses. That's where it comes down to be personal. And just to be honest with you, Jesus said, I want to be fairly accurate in the Greek this morning, Brother Mike, you all, y'all are my witnesses. It's not just some of us, it's all of us. You all are witnesses of these things. And so we all have responsibilities. Some pave the way. They're what we call missionaries. They go and they uh, plant their lives somewhere and they invest their lives somewhere that God has, uh, ha- has led them to. Uh, they are apostles, sent ones. And they go and they stay. They pave the way for everybody else that will come behind them. And that's what our missionaries are. And, and, and it may, may very well be. Now, I'm not sure about your church. You may have some member that came up through this church that is now living and working and serving on a mission field somewhere else in the world right now. Or you may have had someone like that in the past. It could be that someone in that first service, in the second service, or in the third service will say, God is calling me to be a missionary. He wants me to pack up like Abraham and go to a place that I don't know yet and serve Him. And I'm willing to go because that's what my heart is telling me God is saying to me. Some pave the way. All of us pray the way. We should be praying for the lost people around the world and we should be praying for those missionaries that are living around the world we should have them high on our prayer list we should have them stuck in our bibles or on a wall or on the refrigerator we should have them utmost in our minds and hearts and pray for them often i pray for missionaries that are living on the mission field every day it's the first thing i do when i get up is is look at that prayer calendar for those that i'm praying for that day pray for your missionaries Paul said, my heart's heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that she be saved. He's praying for the lost people of Israel. But over in Rome, as a missionary, he wrote to the church in in, uh, Colossia, uh, and uh, he said to them, pray for us that a door will be opened for the word that we may speak the word in boldness of the gospel for which I have been imprisoned. So he was saying, pray for me as a missionary, even a missionary in prison, 
that I'll be able to share the gospel boldly. And so praying for missionaries is a huge part of making the Great Commission number one in our priority. What about partnering with those missionaries and partnering with fellow Christians around the world? Someone told me, I believe, Brother Mike, you said this, if not Dr. Carter, uh, that uh, First Baptist Church Pelham had one time, if not currently, was one of the leading churches in the state of Alabama as far as volunteers going overseas and other places to serve alongside those that had been sent there to live. What a wonderful thing. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, and, and I just pray that that will continue to multiply. You know, that's what I do now. Uh, now I retired four years ago from pastoring. And the Lord just led me to, 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 to renew that chapter in my life of, uh, of being a missionary. And, uh, and so uh, I started off four years ago. I had like four churches that I took on mission trips. And I thought, you know, this is going to be cool. I'm going to get to retire. I'm going to get to go overseas three or four times a year with some friends, pastors that I've known, and take them on a mission trip, reconnect with pastors that I knew on the mission trip 18 years ago, and I'm going to have a cool retirement. I'm telling you, I'm going to get to see kids play basketball and baseball and all this stuff that I've missed all these years, and uh, grandkids and, and all that good stuff. And Lordy me, this year I leave in February... And I'll be gone 21 weeks sometime during the calendar year of 2015. My wife said, where is that retirement? What in the world happened to retirement? But God just kept on adding more. And, and, and so, I don't know. But I do know this. I have, I have an upfront box seat opportunity to see people like you at work on the mission field and it is such a blessing I mean it is incredible to see a mission team go in and work with a missionary or work with a national pastor and see how those people are encouraged when we come and teach a vacation bible school or do a sports clinic or have a medical clinic or or one of the one of the best things that we're doing these days is is building little houses about the size of from the front pew up to me and around here about 12 by 24 feet for people that are living in tin and plastic and bamboo and and suddenly they have a house that's dry with a real floor in it. And we have a dedication service at the end of that week. In a week, we can put up that house. We give me four men, or men and boys and girls and women, give me four to go with three or four Guatemalans. And, and I'm telling you, it'll come up in a week. We'll have a roof on it. We'll have a concrete floor on it. And we'll, we'll have a dedication. And they'll invite friends, and they'll invite all their neighbors. And we have caused a lot of attention in that community. People have been walking by wondering, what in the world are those crazy gringos doing here? And, uh, and, and so they come. I have never had a house dedication service where we didn't have people saved. <laughs> Sometimes the ones that are receiving the house get saved. Sometimes it's a son or a daughter or or a parent that's come through the dedication, or a neighbor that's just ambled in there. 
I've, I've had them get down in the first thing that ever happened on the floor of that house after the prayer of dedication is for people to get down on their knees and pray to receive Jesus. And, and that's not something I do. I can't do anything but carry blocks. That's something you guys do. Or your students do. Oh, man. Students on a mission trip make a huge impact. The Guatemalan young people and kids just follow them around like magnets all week long. You know, it's just like, boom. And you have your chance to share your testimony and witness and teach the Bible. Well, I'm telling you that there are some that pave the way. There are some, and all of us should pray the way. There are some of us that go and partner along the way with those that are there. And then we pay the way. Praise the Lord, what Brother Mike said earlier, that this year you surpassed your Lottie Moon Christmas offering goal. Uh, I applaud you for that. But everywhere along the way, we need to be paying the way for those that go. You may not be physically able to go on a mission trip. I wouldn't discount that, though. I've had nine-year-olds and I've had 84-year-olds go on mission trips. Yeah. And uh, I have about 300 people that will go this year. And, uh, and they'll range from right along in there. And uh, you may not physically be able to go. But you could pay the way for somebody else to go. That's a wonderful blessing. I see that happen all the time. You know, somebody said, you know, uh, the gospel's free. Why do we have to tithe? And why do we have to give all these special offerings? The gospel's free. I always tell them, Brother Mike, well, so is water, but it costs money to pipe it. <laughs> you know? It just takes money to get it there. And you can be a part of that. It's the best investment you ever made. And I'll just tell you this. When you see Jesus in heaven, you're going to be grateful for every penny you've ever given for His cause. You're just going to be grateful. Well, I guess, perhaps, let me just remind you, make sure Jesus is real in your heart. Make sure you've really got to read on what this Bible is all about. Then make sure, make sure that you put His commission as the first concern of your life. You'll be stirred up. Now what I started to say to conclude is, is I, I kind of think that Dr. Carter invited me here to preach today because of my granddaughter. He had invited her to share her testimony. Her name is Kayla Perry. She's 19 years old. She's a freshman at Auburn. It's taken her two years after graduating from high school to get there uh, this past fall. And uh, the reason Kayla's not here and the reason it took her so long to get to Auburn is that she's been battling cancer all along the way. Uh, Kayla graduated from high school early in order to go on a six-month mission trip to... Uh, Kenya and Uganda, uh, and uh, uh, Nigeria, excuse me, Nigeria and Uganda. And uh, about halfway through that, at about three month mark, they discovered that uh, Kayla just got sick. She started uh, having nosebleeds and she just didn't have any strength. She could, they were backpacking, carrying the gospel to villages and 
going to backpack from Nigeria to, uh, to Uganda, and they were getting to the Uganda border and to some really hard territory, and she couldn't keep up. So they sent her back to... Uh, sent her back to the city, and they couldn't find out what was wrong with her. And we finally got her back here to the States. Uh, and within two weeks, they had diagnosed her with a rare, rare form of cancer. Uh, this week, well, she had scans and biopsies earlier this week. Next week, she has what they call an MIBG Treatment. It, it's, she'll be in the hospital for a week over in Atlanta, and and uh, it'll involve stem cell uh, transplants. And, uh, and and so she just could not be here today to share her testimony. But she wanted to be. If she could talk to you today. She would tell you that what she would like to be able to do with her life is be a missionary. Kayla would if she could. She would if she could. Sadly, there's a large number of us that could if we would. And so this is what the invitation is all about today. Would you? Will you? Will you make a life commitment today to let Jesus be real in your heart as never before? Would you truly check out this book and see what it's all about? Read it. Study it. See that it's all about getting the message of Jesus out. And would you put His commission to be involved in the missionary enterprise some way? Would you be willing to say, Lord, I will. I will. I will. Just show me the ways. And I'll do it. You may feel that you need to bow your head right there while we're uh, having this invitation and make that cut. You may need to come back to this altar here or come down to the altar to do that. You may want to come take the hand of your staff uh, member today and say, yes, this is, this is what I want to do. I, I I need to make a decision about this today. That's what God brought me here for today. I want you to stand, if you will. Don't let anything hold you back today. People sometimes let things hold them back during invitation time they'd like to do. I struggled with that just a few moments ago. Even while nobody was looking, I'm a guest, and I was sitting over here, and I felt led to come pray with one person while they were kneeling here praying. And almost stood there in my place until it was too late. Just because somehow it's different coming out, coming up front. I'm just telling you the blessing is waiting for you if God has spoken to your heart. Let's sing now. Let's sing. I always feel 
little more comfortable with something in front of me. So that's why I moved that. Uh, the pastor search committee has been diligently looking and seeking God's chosen man to serve the senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Pelham. We are united in our belief that God has identified this individual to us. And we are pleased as well as very, very excited to inform you of this decision. Today, I cannot identify the name of the candidate or the name of the candidate's church. The, the candidate's requested that his name not be revealed until after his trial sermon and after a call is issued if the vote is in the affirmative. He continues to serve as a pastor of his current church and his congregation is not aware of his interest in our church position. And it's the search committee's uh, position that we've got to honor this request. I would like to today to inform you of the schedule of events surrounding our interaction with the candidate and his family. And these events will take place on Friday, January the 30th through Sunday, February the 1st. On Friday, January the 30th, and on Saturday, January the 31st, the candidate will meet with several groups in our church. He'll meet with the deacons, he will meet with the personnel and finance committee, and he also will, will uh, meet with the church staff. Uh, on Saturday, January the 31st at 6 p.m., there will be a question and answer session in this room. This will give an opportunity for church members to get to know our prospective pastor and also to ask questions and receive some possible concerns that he may have. On Saturday, January the 31st, after the question and answer session, the candidate and his family will be available in the gathering area for a meet and greet session. We encourage you as strong as we possibly can to participate in both of these sessions. Your input and your view is very important, not only to us, but to the prospective pastor. On Sunday, February the 1st, the candidate will preach a trial sermon at 9.15 a.m., another one at 10.45 a.m. There will not be an eight o'clock worship service on that Sunday, now that's February the 1st. After the end of the 10.45 service, there will be a called uh, special church conference and a vote will be taken to determine if a call is to be issued to the candidate. I must say that the committee appreciates your prayers and concern that have been voiced, and we feel those and still and always will, concerning the direction that we will be going. And we ask you to continue that through this process and continue that prayer and concern, not only for just during this process, but consider continuing to do that on a regular basis for our church, that we will go forward with a pastor that uh, will fill the needs and will help fill your needs under the leadership of our Father and our God. And I thank you for your time and attention this morning.
Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.